Good morning. This may be a familiar story to you, but can I ask you to listen to it with new ears and new eyes? Jesus continued. We're reading from Luke chapter 15. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, Hmm, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come home, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became very angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My father, my son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Good to see you this morning. Thanks for reading that passage, David, from Luke 15. Quite a familiar story to everybody, I presume. 
If you haven't heard it before, I'd be surprised. You've probably heard it quite a few times. And depending on which Bible you're reading now or which Bible you may have used in uh, your life as a reader of the Bible, I'm sure many of you will have Bibles or will have had Bibles where there are section headings all the way through it. So if you want to know where Jesus walks on water, you just flip through the Gospels until you see the little heading at the top of the paragraph that said Jesus walks on water or Jesus feeds the 5,000. And if you're looking at this passage, you may have seen it called various things. Sometimes it's been called the parable of the prodigal son. But sometimes those headings aren't helpful at all. I always, um, when I was running my own church, I used to remind Bible readers, and it still kind of peeves me a little when people who are reading passages will read those headings as they're reading through the passage. They're not part of the original text, and I wish they didn't get read because they are sometimes distractions. Jesus, in this section, is has just been um, telling, well, he's actually told three parables in a row, three lost parables. There's the first one about the lost sheep, the second one about the lost coin, and the third one, well, it's often called the parable of the lost son. It can also be known as the parable of the lost sons. After all, there are two sons in the story. It has been called other things as well, and I'm going to let you decide what title you want to give it, perhaps to suit yourself at the end. And I'm not going to tell the story because I'm sure you've heard it many times and read it. Just let me fill in a few of the main details. In Middle Eastern culture, uh, we had uh, rich people who owned land, were generally well respected in their community depending on the size of their holding and the amount of property that they had, the number of cattle and so forth. So when the youngest son comes to the father and says, Father, I want my share of the property now. Because the father only had two sons, that meant that when the estate would finally be divided up, the eldest would always get two-thirds. And that meant one-third went to the other. So in order to do this, the father had to actually liquidate some of his property, which meant downgrading of status for the father. The son took that property turned it into cash, maybe the father had already done that and just gave him cash, and off he went. It's funny calling it the prodigal son because in English the word prodigal has got two meanings which seemingly are opposite. We tend to think of the prodigal son meaning the son who went and wasted everything, like profligate. But prodigal can also mean lavish. So it's probably not helpful to think about him as the prodigal son, except he was lavish with that money once he got to the other land. Perhaps that's why he's called the prodigal son. He just spent it all, gave it all away. Eventually comes to himself and realises what he's done. I'd like to call this parable the parable of coming home. It's also known as the parable of the waiting father because in Middle Eastern culture, um, fathers who had some status in their community or landowners like this were generally reserved, quiet, living chaps who didn't go running down the road with their skirts lifted up in order to make great haste. But we're given that impression of the father when he sees the son coming home, that the father actually almost humiliates himself, humbles himself and runs to him. So those images we have all speak of something really unusual happening. Something quite startling happening. But what's happened mostly, the most startling thing, and perhaps the thing that's important, 
as a main theme is that the young son actually came to himself. That is, he realised what he'd done. And he did something that every believer needs to do. He repented. Now, repentance is a word that's been thrown around in Christian circles for 2,000 years, and you've probably seen the cartoons even still of the uh, guy who walks down the street holding a banner up that just says, repent, the end is near, or something like that. And people have often just thought that to repent was just to say, sorry, sorry, sorry. But I'm sure I'm not telling you anything when I remind you that repentance is doing a U-turn. Repentance is a change of mind with associated change of action. It's not just being sorry. That's why it's difficult when you're teaching your kids things and you say, tell your sister you're sorry. Sorry. Okay, off you go. There's an ice cream. That's not repentance. (laughs) That's reward (laughs) for not actually repenting. True repentance, if we need to learn it ourselves and teach it to others, needs to be demonstrated. It's a turning around. That's what this son did. He came to himself and he says, I'm not worthy of what's been given to me. I'm not worthy any longer to be a member of that family. I do want to go home because I'm dying here. There's nothing for me where I am. My life has gone down the toilet. I have nothing, absolutely nothing. I'm destitute, I'm hungry, I'm friendless. And so he heads back. And he's got his speech prepared. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just treat me like one of your hired men. Now some people think that means he wants to make himself a slave. But actually what he's doing there is saying... Please employ me and I'll start to pay you back. There's really no way he can effectively pay the father back for all that he's taken. But he wants to make some recompense for what he's done. That's another aspect of repentance. The turning around, realising what he's done, that U-turn, means he is now aware of the magnitude of the choices that he's made. Not just one choice. That impulse to get the estate and leave, that didn't just suddenly come to him one day and he thought, oh, I know what I'll do. No, it's like most of us. When things go badly wrong in life, often it's because of a long series of choices that are made all the way down the track. But he'd come to that point where he'd made that decision and left and now he's had time to reflect on it, a lot of time to reflect on it. And he realises he made a series of quite bad decisions And it's brought him to this stage. And it's brought him to the point now where he sees his father running towards him to welcome him home. And so he starts his speech, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And he goes on as if he wants to say more. Make me like, just treat me like just one of you. The father doesn't let him get that bit out, does he? No, the father's already smothered him in hugs and kisses. My son. My son's home. My son's home. My son's home. And so he has a party. Dresses him in clean clothes and has the party. The other brother, of course, you know the rest of that story, hears about the party and resents what's gone on. What's the point? Well, parables are meant to have mainly one point. 
some of Jesus' teachings had multiple applications and they can rightly be called allegories because an allegory will have an application at various points in the story. And the parable or the allegory or the story of the soils is like that because Jesus actually goes and explains, doesn't he, what the various things are, what the different soils are, what the seed is, the word of God and so on. But a parable is usually meant to have just one main thrust, one point, and that's why we often get lost and go astray when we try to apply every point of the parable. It's not right to say the Father here is God. He acts in a godlike way, but Jesus isn't saying the Father comes running down the road to meet us with his skirts dressed, oh, sort of hitched up around his, his waist. Jesus isn't saying that the Father was sitting on the porch every day waiting for him. Well, we don't know that this guy was either. What Jesus is saying, though, is that there is a warm and happy welcome for those who come home. And the younger son experienced that. The older son, he'd been good. And when the party was on and he realised what had happened, he was angry, he was offended. He didn't think it was right. After all, who'd done the work? Who'd stayed home? Who'd kept on working? The son wanted to be in the father's good books by doing good. Now there's an interesting contrast in those two brothers and I'm just going to refer to a, a quote here from a commentator that I was using. He says, The behaviour of the younger son... Well, that's sin. But then Jesus overturns the picture. Each son wanted the father's things, but not the father. Now, I hadn't thought about that till I read that line. Each son wanted the father's things, but not the father. They used the father to get what they really loved. But one did it by being very, very good, and the other by being very, very bad. For the older son, it's not the sin that's keeping him from his father, it's his goodness, his own righteousness. Jesus says that the humble are in and the proud are out. Those who are proud of goodness or proud of their nonconformity. Religious people obey God to get things. Be good, get blessed, you become your own saviour. Avoid Jesus at all costs. Obedience. Doing good is a way of getting what you really want when it's not God himself. One of the sad things throughout history is to see Christianity constantly referred to as a religion. One of the world's great religions. Of course, what we've done as humans in building structures, hierarchies, culture and history over 2,000 years of denominationalism. It's important for us to have those structures to exist, I know. But to think of Christianity as a religion is to lump it in a basket with the other religions. And what does religion do? It teaches rules. It teaches obedience, conformity, patterns of behaviour that must be adhered to. And when you step outside the rules, you're outside the organisation. Jesus actually spoke very strongly to Pharisees particularly about that sort of attitude to point out to them that what was important was being 
in personal contact with the God who made us. Actually coming to him, not coming to the organisation, not coming to the religious activities. Coming home. That's the nature of repentance. That's the nature of recognising that every human being needs to go through if they're going to come into fellowship with the Father through Jesus the Saviour. They need, we need, you and I need to be those who recognise or have recognised that without coming to God on those terms in that way, none of us have any chance of actually being home with him, having that eternal connection, that eternal saviour, that eternal um, assurance of where we belong. To have that eternal assurance, to have that satisfaction that we belong, that is what true peace is and that is what God offers to those who come to him. That is why he says, repent, turn. We don't have to beat ourselves and cover ourselves in sackcloth and ashes and oh, woe is me and become a something else other than we are. He wants us to come as we are. Coming to Jesus is a come-as-you-are party, isn't it? Coming home. That's what both those brothers needed to do. The younger one did it and was welcomed and the party was underway. The older brother, he needed to do it too. Did he come in and join the rest of the party? Well, the story doesn't tell us. And after all, it is only a parable. We're not meant to think of it in those literal terms like we want a happy ending to every story that we read. The point that Jesus wanted to make was to remind his hearers that there is a father who made us who has a home for us, who is waiting for us to come. And we may be those who've been never in his home and who need to come for the very first time. Or we may be those who've been in his home and stepped away and need to come back. Many people have been in that position, I know some, who've wandered away from relationship with Jesus and the Father and have come back. And have found the welcome amazing. I myself at times, even just in my own life and thoughts, have at times felt myself somewhat distanced from God, just through the busyness of life and choices that I've made, things that didn't go quite well, and I just was out there doing things my way. And I recognise I need to come back. I need to return to the home. I need to come back to the Father and be welcomed again. Because that is his nature. That is one of the strong things that this parable teaches, that the nature of welcome, the nature of receiving for those who repent, who come back. So stick a title on that parable that you think illustrates the thing that is most important to you from that, that line of teaching. Which of the brothers would you be more likely to be? Have you ever wandered away? and needed to come back? Have you wandered away and you need to come back? Have you perhaps never come home? You're still not connected with the Father. Are you trying to be good? Keep the rules and just keep appearances up. I hope all of you, all of us here this morning, and those who might be watching and listening, are aware of where we stand with the Father. 
that we are home with him, in his arms, enjoying. After all, he assures us, not just in this parable, but in the two that come before it, that for those who come in the terms that he calls us to come, those that come are welcomed. And there is celebration. There is party. Now, the party initially is in heaven, I guess. Jesus says there is joy in amongst the angels when a sinner repents. Well, we can feel pretty good about it here on earth too, but it would be good to eventually be part of the party. And we will one day. When we finally get to be with the Father, then we'll experience the joy of that real presence, the joy of being in his home forever. I'm just uh, going to finish with a song now that's one that um, was written some years ago by an Australian guy named Russell Frager. And uh, some of you may have heard it, but uh, I trust it will just give you a little bit more of the feel of this parable this morning. Before the world began You were on his mind Every tear you cry Is precious in his eyes Because of his great love He gave his only son Everything was done So you would come Come to the Father Though your gift is small Broken lives, broken hearts He will take them all Power of his word The power of his blood Everything was done So you would come Nothing you could do could make him love you more Nothing that you've done Could make him close the door Because of his great love He gave his only son Everything was done So you would come Come to the Father Though your gift is small broken lives he will take them all the power of the word the power of his blood everything was done so you would come come to the father though your gift is small broken hearts and broken lives he will take them all The power of the word The power of his blood Everything was done So you would come Everything was done So you would come Let's pray Heavenly Father what a great message that you give us through sending your Son. Thank you that because of his death we can become alive. Thank you that because of your invitation we can come home. 
Thank you that because of you and all that you offer, we can have peace with you now and for eternity. Lord, by your spirit, just reassure each one of us this morning of the fullness of your love for us and your grace towards us in Jesus and what it means to rest with you, to walk with you, and to be with you at home forever. Fill us with all joy and peace in believing. Amen.